Well, good morning, everybody. Hope you're feeling good. I didn't sleep well because of kids. That hour we lost was precious, but here we are. It's a beautiful day, and we are going to continue in our series titled uh, Redeeming Rest. Where over the past two weeks, we, we've talked about uh, the, the rest that Jesus offers us that can rescue us from the pace of our life, the demands that other people place on us, the rest that can save us from the burdens of the world. And it's not a rest that we can achieve in our life simply by being apathetic or just being lazy or even taking time for vacation. And although vacations can certainly recharge our drained batteries, the type of rest that the Bible talks about, the kind of rest that Jesus offers to us, is the type of rest that is unlike anything else in the world. Jesus offers us real redeeming rest for not just our mind, but for our body and for our souls. It's the type of rest that can give us, give us peace in our hurried world of busyness, efficiency, a, a world that tells us we're going to be judged by our productivity. It's a type of rest that we all desperately, I think, want to accompany us in this life. Who doesn't want to be recharged? Who doesn't want rest? Who doesn't want peace? Yet, as we will see today, it's the type of rest that can be so easily lost in the shuffle of all that life requires us to do. So today we're going to hear a story that, despite it being over 2,000 years old, it has an incredible amount of relevancy to the pressure and the de decisions that we face hundreds of times a day. It's a story about two women, both with a schedule to keep, both with boxes to check, and both with a long list of things that the culture tells them they need to accomplish. And although it's a story about Martha and Mary, it might as well be a story about you and me. It's so relevant and true to our lives. The story of Martha and Mary, it's an interesting one. Uh, oftentimes, you'll hear people who know this story, they'll say, oh, this story is just about two different personalities. Uh, you may hear somebody say, well, you know, so-and-so's more like a Martha, or, oh, that person, they're, they're such a Mary. However, when we really dig deep into understanding the society in which these women live, we start to see that their story isn't about any specific personality, as much as their story is about the choice that we all have every single day to slow down, pause, and choose redeeming rest amid a society that tells us there's always more that we should be doing. The story begins this way in, in Luke chapter 10. It says, as Jesus and the disciples, so his followers, continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. And so we're going to pause right there and unpack some first century cultural understanding. Now, first off, Martha and Mary, they weren't necessarily strangers to Jesus. He would have known them and even their brother Lazarus. Because when you piece together bits of, of history, you can see they're probably more like family friends. As a child, Jesus' parents would have traveled to and from Jerusalem many times, taking uh, him to the temple. And it's likely that they frequented Mary and Martha and Lazarus' home on their journey when you kind of look at where it was. But that's not all that is, is going on here. Now, for most of us, we would like some kind of a warning, right, when guests come into town. We want plenty of notice when someone's going to swing by and stay in our home. We want a time. We want a date. We need a chance to hide all of our scattered belongings in that bathroom that we tell everybody is off limits for the weekend. Like we need to make sure if you're going to stop by, if you're going to be a guest in my home, I need to make sure it fits with my calendar, okay? Like if you're going to stop by, well, let's see what the schedule says. Let's see if we can host you. But in the first century culture, obviously void of a lot of the means of communication that people like you and I rely upon, hospitality to guests, whether you knew them or not, whether you knew they were coming or not, was actually demanded. Welcoming outsiders in and treating them with warmth, treating them with friendliness, was taken very seriously 
in this first century culture. Uh, in fact, there are many laws actually ensuring you would treat people as such. And here are a few of those that were put in, put in place well over a thousand years before Jesus was born. Exodus 23.9, for example. You must not oppress foreigners. You know what it's like to be a foreigner, for you were slaves in, you your once foreigners in the land of Egypt. So this law is essentially saying, look, be welcoming to people because you know what it's like to be an unwelcome stranger. Right? You remember what it's like to be slaves in Egypt, so, so don't treat foreigners bad. And here's a few more that shows just how seriously this culture was about showing kindness and love to strangers, foreigners, travelers. Leviticus 19, when you harvest the crops of your land, do not harvest the grain along the edges of your fields. And do not pick up what the harvesters drop. It is the same with your grape crop. Do not strip every last bunch of grapes from the vines. And do not pick up the grapes that fall to the ground. Leave them for the poor and the foreigners living among you. I am the Lord your God. Right? It's tough to, to argue. You, know, you could see someone reading that and be like, I don't want to do that. And God's like, well, I'm the Lord your God. They're like, well, stink. I guess I got to do it, right? And then later on in the book of Exodus or Leviticus, do not take advantage of foreigners who live among you in your land. Treat them like native-born Israelites. So this law was written to the Israelites. The law is saying, you know, treat other people like you would yourself. And love them as you love yourself. Remember that I am, remember that you were once foreigners living in the land of Egypt. Once again, I am the Lord, your God. And then I love this next one. 500 years later, God speaking through the prophet Isaiah would say this. Share your food with the hungry and give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them. And Lord Almighty, church, listen to this. Do not hide from relatives who need your help. It's like God looked down and is like, they, they run from Dave. Dave just didn't need, right? Do not hide from your relatives who need your help. You know, so for thousands of years, ingrained into this culture was a law. It was a mandate. There's this responsibility of generosity and hospitality that was required of you for people in need. If someone didn't have a home, you would shelter them. If they didn't have food, you would feed them. If they needed clothes, you would clothe them. To do otherwise would be entirely frowned upon by the world around you. And this expectation continued on even when Jesus was spending time in this world. When Jesus and his disciples were heading out to do ministry, here's the instructions he gave them. Don't take any money in your money belts. No gold, silver, or even copper coins. Don't carry a traveler's bag with a change of clothes and sandals or even a walking stick. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality. Because those who work deserve to be fed. You see, Jesus knew the cultural demands, the demands that society put on those people to welcome foreigners, to welcome strangers, to welcome travelers. There was this pressure at all costs to welcome people into your home, even if you didn't know them and if you didn't even know they were coming. But let's think about the demands the culture puts on us. In our culture, we are led to believe that being busy means we are being productive. I paid attention this week to how many people brag about their busyness, right? And you've probably heard people say stuff like, oh, my calendar is so packed. Let me see when I can get freed up. Are you free in October, right? You've heard people you know, brag about, oh, I'm just, I'm so busy. You have no idea. I'm just exhausted all the time. Almost like that's something to be proud of. Uh, in the Harvard Business Review, which despite the glasses, I, I never actually read, it says, at home and at work, Busy culture worsens the problem it promises to solve. It's natural to assume that the busier we are, the more significant the impact we'll be able to make. But in reality, studies have shown that busy culture destroys productivity 
and pulls us away from both our families and deeper relationships with our coworkers. In short, being busy is not building us up. Being busy is wearing us out. The demands that society and the demands that the culture puts on us to be tireless, to run this ragged schedule, it's not meeting up with the results it promises to provide. And the pressure that the society and the culture around us puts on us to just exhaust ourselves, it's never going to lead us to the redeeming rest that Jesus promises. And just as people struggle with overworking, they can also struggle with being too busy when we're not working our day jobs. There's a constant state of busyness between work and everything else that fills our downtime. I mean, think about your list of things that you have to do most weekends. Yeah, you're off, but you're really on in just a different way. You got kids' soccer games. Oh, you've got so many travel baseball games, right? You got to fix the car. You got to clean the garage. Well, there's this grocery shopping. We got a meal plan. There's these endless projects in the, in the house. Well, we got to go to this party. We got to buy these gifts. We got to go to the grandparents. Well, we got family lunch coming up. We got to plan for that and so on and so forth. And these aren't even bad things. Our calendars fill up with good things, goals we want to achieve, experiences we want to cherish. But we can become stressed and overwhelmed even with the good things. And so the rest that Jesus desires for us is not just from our employment. It's not just from our jobs. And here's a really tough thing, but I believe there's so much freedom on the other side of this thought. The rest that Jesus wants for us also needs to take precedent over the good things in our life that can crowd and stress our schedule, our hearts, and our minds. We, it's time we start drawing a line in the sand and we stop bowing to the culture that puts you and I in a position to need a day off from our day off. Like, we're exhausted people. I know a lot, there's a whole lot that's changed in 2,000 years. But Martha and Mary, they had this cultural pressure uh, to welcome guests, feed them, clothe them, take care of them at all costs, whether you knew them or not whether you knew they were coming or not. And I think we have the pressure of society to wear busyness like a badge and neglect the rest that we are designed to need. And so in this regard, we're not so different after all. So diving back into the book of Luke, right, when Jesus, he visited Martha and Mary, seeming without any notice, right? Martha welcomed him into the home. So, so now Jesus and his disciples, they are guests in the home, and we know now what this means in a first century context in their society. Luke continues, Martha's, or her sister, Martha's sister, Mary, sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. So you got Jesus and his disciples seemingly out of the blue, just showing up at this home of Martha and Mary, where they are expected to be welcomed, fed, and housed for the evening, if not longer. Then you have Martha and Mary, who seemingly out of the blue, they have this responsibility, this pressure to provide incredible hospitality. And Martha and Mary's reaction to this scenario, they are, they are so entirely different. But how would you respond if you found yourself in their shoes? What would you do with all this cultural pressure? You see, despite the presence of Jesus, Martha yields to the demands of the culture, right? Martha knows that it would be entirely inexcusable. It would be a stain on her name. People would look down their nose at her 
If she didn't choose to be busy, as was the norm, in the kitchen, hard at work, cooking up a meal for Jesus and his buds, she had to, to provide and she had to fulfill these expectations that society laid on her. Yet in the presence of Jesus, Mary sits and rests at his feet. We've got to understand, Mary is, isn't ignorant, okay? She's no dummy. She, she knows what she should be doing. But being with Jesus is way more important than the expectations that the culture has placed on her. Two different reactions. Despite the presence of Jesus, Martha yields to the demands of the culture. But in the presence of Jesus, Mary sits and rests at his feet. Two very different reactions to the presence of Christ in their lives. And boy, does this almost cause a cat fight between the two sisters. Now, you can almost imagine this happening today. Martha, the older sister, goes up to Jesus and is like, Jesus, don't you care? And the, the sister's right there. Right? Don't you care that my sister has abandoned me in the kitchen? She won't listen to me. Can you tell her to get up and lend a hand? Can you tell her to do what society demands of her? But Jesus' response makes it clear what he thinks is most acceptable to him. But the Lord said to her, Jesus says to her, My dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. You are worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about, and Mary has figured it out. Notice that Jesus didn't blame Martha for being concerned about her hospitality. He didn't scold her. Jesus knew the cultural demands. He knew how he should be treated when he came in that home. He knew what society said they should be doing. And Jesus speaks against that, what you should be doing. And he says, Martha, your priorities are out of line. And I think on a day like this, when we're diving into a story like this, we have to wonder if, if Jesus were speaking directly into our lives, which I think he is this morning, would he look at our priorities and say, child, we need to do some realigning here. You know, when it comes to your life, are you, are you somebody who is so worked up over all the details? You know somebody who, who really stresses out like that? Me. This was the most annoying teaching to ever write because Jesus was like, yeah, you should tell them that and you should tell yourself that too. And it's like, oh, my goodness. Like, but, but I bet some of us are like that too. We're, we're so worked up over the details of our life. We're so worked up over the details of our family's life. We're just so stinking busy that we're missing out on the one thing that we should be most concerned over. Most of us are so worn down, tired, and, and mentally and physically on E because we're focused on so many other things. We're holding so many plates that we've forgotten what the most important thing is, which is resting in the presence of Jesus. What would you say is the most important thing to you when you look at the timeline of your life, not just in this moment, but when you look at the past month of your life, what's most important? Is it meeting all the demands of your schedule? Is it checking all those boxes? Is it fulfilling all of those heavy expectations that people have for you? Or can you just cut ties with maybe one or two of those things to just simply create time to rest in the presence of Jesus? Like, what are you juggling that you just need to let fall to the ground let the pieces sit there. Don't even worry about it because you need to be more worried about spending time in the presence of Jesus. What is that thing for you? Jesus was very clear. Martha, for you, it's the meal. 
just stop with that and come spend time with me. But, but what is it for us? What's that thing that Jesus would say? Can you, I know the culture's telling you to do that. I know that's a box you got to check. I know you're spending all these plates. What's that one thing that you can say, I'm just not going to do it anymore because I want to spend time with Jesus. I know for me, I'm such a detailed, organized person. I would say probably to an unhealthy degree. At 9 a.m., I said out loud, my wife was at home watching, I said my wife would probably say it is to an unhealthy degree. She followed it up with a text that I got backstage that said, no, you're almost clinically diagnosed, I would say, um, to an unhealthy degree. Like, I'm so organized, and I stress over disorganization. And you know what doesn't mix well with that? Toddlers and infants. Um, uh, my, my son is going to be three May 12th. My daughter is going to be one May 17th. He is running and talking, which it's real cute when they say like, one, like dad, dad. It's like, that's so cute. I can't wait till you can say more. This week, my son was like playing a game and it was time for dinner. And I was like, Ezra, it's, it's time. We got to clean up all this stuff. It's stressing me out. And he said, daddy, guess what? And I said, what? And he said, patience. And I thought it is not cute when kids talk. Like it just changed immediately. You know, but, but I get so stressed out and worked up to an unhealthy degree about all the details of my home. Um, I just live right down the road. Some of you honk way too early in the morning. Let's work on that, pray over it. Um, but, but people will stop by just randomly, which I love, but I'm so stressed about people like coming into my home and being like, like any of you are going to be like, are you kidding me, Josh? The blocks? Pick up the blocks, pastor. But that's, that's how I feel. Right, And this, this week, as I was reading through Martha and Mary's story, it made me realize just how much more time I could spend in the, in the presence of Jesus if I just let some of the expectations that the world has placed on me go. If I just said, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to bow to Jesus and not what other people think or demand of me. I'm not going to bow to those unrealistic expectations of tidiness anymore. I know it sounds ridiculous to, to say out loud. I know some of you are thinking, Oh, poor pastor, let me just pray that you don't kill over from clutter. Like, like wait till you have real problems, right? I know it sounds ridiculous to say out loud that, that tidiness gets in the way of me spending time with Jesus, but, but hear me out. Anything that we put ahead of spending time with Jesus is ridiculous. No matter what it is, your kid's ball schedule, the dance recitals, the, the hobbies, those good things, anything that we put in front of spending time with Jesus, anything that we say, I ain't got time for you, Jesus, because I'm going to be doing this, whatever that is, is ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. Like, there's nothing in our schedule that's more important than taking time to be with him. Like, so what is it for you? What expectations, pressure, or responsibilities do you just say, I can't do it all, I'm going to release it, and I'm just going to sit at the feet of Jesus? And I know what I'm asking probably sounds crazy, right? I get it. Our culture is so fast-paced and we're judged on efficiency and productivity that this idea of living an unhurried lifestyle, it, it, it sounds like we're choosing to live a vow of, of poverty, right, in earlier centuries. It's so countercultural. It can be scary to let some plates drop. It can be scary to not juggle everything. It can be scary to, to leave some boxes unchecked. It, it's an act of faith. But I promise you, there are deeper riches on the other side. And you're not going to experience it until you get there. When we talk about resting in, in the feet of Jesus, you don't get a, a foretaste of that by thinking about it. You actually have to do it. There's no appetizer of it. You actually have to let go of some things, spend some time with Jesus for you to experience that it's absolutely worth it. 
and I'm always a straight shooter, but I want to be clear, that some people aren't going to like that. There's some people that when you choose to not juggle all the balls, when you just let a plate drop, when you say, I'm not going to adhere to your demands, I'm not going to run this crazy schedule anymore. There's some people who are going to hate that. There's this idea, I think, in faith circles where it's like, well, if we do everything Jesus tells us, then life's going to be great. We follow a guy who is nailed to a cross. So just because we follow him doesn't mean that everything's going to be great. And some people will hate that you're going to choose to change your lifestyle. Some people aren't going to like it when you say no to certain things that you've always said yes to. Some people aren't going to like when, when you say, no, I don't, I don't do anything on Saturdays. It's just me and my family and Jesus. Like, I, don't, I don't do anything. Some people aren't going to like when you move things off your schedule that you've just always done for them. They're not going to appreciate that change. It's going to impact them in one way or another. And they may hate it, but it's going to impact you more positively than it does them negatively. And let's be encouraged by, by these words of Christ. If the world hates you, this is Jesus talking, if the world hates you, Remember that it hated me first. The world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it, but you are no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world, so it hates you. Jesus chose you to be different, and not everyone is always going to respect that. But keep in mind, at the end of your life, you're not going to be measured by, by how packed your calendar was. You're not going to be measured by how efficient you were with keeping it all together. Like, you're not going to get to heaven and, and Jesus is going to be like, who are you? You're like, well, I was too busy. That's why we never met before. He's like, no. We're not going to be measured by being a good and faithful employee. Our life by Jesus, you know, by, by his decision, it's not going to be, we're not going to be judged because we were a good and faithful taskmaster. He isn't impressed that we're a good manager of life or how many plates we're holding. He's, he's not impressed because we're, we're people pleasers. Jesus isn't going to usher us into the kingdom of heaven because, oh boy, we were, we were super good at adhering to his schedule that he didn't design us to keep. We're going to be ushered into the kingdom of heaven because of our relationship with him. One we simply cannot afford to neglect now, no matter what our calendars look like. And so I think the invitation from Jesus today is clear. To do whatever it takes to prioritize simply resting in his presence. And yes, if we want things to change, it means we're going to have to change things. We're going to have to tweak our lives, adjust our schedule. But I can promise you any change that moves us into a deeper relationship with Jesus will always be worth it. Let's pray. Um, Jesus, we thank you. I'm just so thankful for scripture and even on times this, this week where I felt like you were hitting me upside the head over and over with Scripture's timeless wisdom. But I'm so thankful that Scripture is, the, the Bible's for messy, imperfect people like us who are often living chaotic lives down here. I know as I did this week, and I do it again, and I don't think I'm alone, I ask for forgiveness. I think many of us do for the things we let get in the way of time with you. My, oh my, how, how we get so worked up over the details and we forget what the most important thing is. I'm thankful that you, you, you came not just to rescue us from our sins, but to rescue us from the busyness of the world. We know we want to spend eternity with you, but give us eyes to see the moments we can be spending with you right now. And God, I think most importantly, Jesus, most importantly, thank you for the grace that you give us 
to get this right, to find our rest in you. Because we know that, that only by getting the rest that you provide us, the redeeming rest, that's the only way that we're going to be filled with the energy to live the life you have designed for us. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.